The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said to the twelve apostles, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the household Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Even the hairs on your head are all counted. So don't be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who will find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of the Lord. May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Those are some tough texts that we just heard. In the Hebrew lesson, we heard that he's come to bring violence and destruction. In the Christian scriptures, we hear that we're baptized into death. And then in the gospel, Jesus says that he came not for peace, but with a sword. If there ever was a day not to do a baptism, according to the readings, this would probably be it. But it's sort of the beauty of our tradition, our following a lectionary, this three-year cycle where the lessons are chosen for us. I think the beauty of these prescribed lessons is that we have to wrestle with Jesus' words. We can't just choose texts that agree with us. You know, list the parables and the miracle stories and all the other teachings that make us feel good. We have to wrestle with who Jesus actually was. This Jesus who so often complicates things. It's so important that we do so. Often we have a tendency to form God in our own image, to make God be the person that we want God to be. But God is not made in our own image. We are made in God. 
So when we arrive at texts like we have today, it's really a good thing. It's something to value. Or at least that's what I'm telling myself. In understanding our gospel reading this morning, we need to, as always, look in the context. Last week, we heard Jesus sending out the 12 disciples into the world, and he was giving them lots of instructions, and this is a continuation of instructions. So they're words directed to people who are going out to face hostility. There's also, in this text, sort of two time periods that are collapsed. We have this historical lesson from Jesus to the disciples, but then we also have this being presented to the first generation of Christians, the first readers of Matthew's Gospel, who were also facing persecution, who really faced the likelihood of martyrdom. And so these two audiences together, the disciples and the first Christians, Both of these groups are far removed from us, and it makes this text difficult to understand. But what evokes fear and maybe cringing in us was originally intended to be encouragement, something that brought strength and hope and comfort. With the double ears of the disciples and the first generations of Christians, let us listen to what Jesus is really saying. Jesus begins by likening them to three things, a student, a slave, and a family member. What's important is that Jesus is giving them relationships. He's defining them in a relation to himself, and that kinship in Jesus is comforting. Because persecution doesn't arise because of something the disciples have done, or who they are, but because of Jesus. Because they are beings in relation to Him. Jesus then tells them not to be afraid, to preach the hidden things boldly, to proclaim what He's taught them courageously, shouting from the rooftops. The most that people can do to them is to kill the body. But God is so much more, because God has power not just over the body, but temporary, fragile person, but power over the body and the soul. And the most important part, God is the one in control. So don't, don't worry about what they do to this body, because God is in control. So much so that God notices the most insignificant of creatures and the most minute of details. Physical death doesn't matter because God is the one in whom our souls are cared for. Then he teaches that faithfulness will be rewarded by faithfulness. And then this strange thing about a sword instead of peace. Theologians have wrestled with this saying since the beginning of Christianity because it's so different than Jesus' other teachings. It's in contrary, it's contrary to everything that he teaches about loving your enemies, about living in peace, about upholding familial relationships. But I would argue here that perhaps what he's saying is something about love, because love, 
true love causes strange reactions. Jesus' ministry where he preached that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, where he preached that everyone matters in the eyes of God, where he had dinner with sinners and criticized the religious of elite. Jesus, who proclaimed God's love in his ministry, was met with violence. But the threat of violence didn't stop him from what he had to do. The threat of violence didn't make him say, okay, I'm just going to keep the peace, I'm going to shut up, I'm going to go back to Nazareth, I'm going to be quiet. No, the threat of violence didn't stop him from what he's doing. And if we look at human history, love, compassion, the hope that is implicit in these words. But it still leaves us with questions. Questions of what does this mean for us? What are we to do with these particular teachings of Jesus? One answer that some Christians come up with is to directly apply them to their lives by creating a narrative of persecution. Yes, there are places in this world today where Christians are persecuted, but the United States is not one of those places. The claims some make of persecution in the name of Jesus are misleading and false, and I think when we try to force the gospel to fit us instead of conforming ourselves to the gospel, we depart from God's teachings. So if we don't go there, if we don't create that narrative, where do we go with this complicated text? The German biblical scholar Ulrich Lutz argues that the purpose of the gospel, the core of Jesus' words, haven't changed. Maybe these details around them have but the core value is the same. He writes, it's important that the text speaks, first of all, of a mission. Namely, the mission to engage in fearless and public affirmation. Jesus' teachings were meant to urge the disciples forward in the mission that he has entrusted to him. The mission that comes down from us. And maybe that's the same message we hear today, God urging us to proclaim the good news. The core mission of who we are. It's the mission that in a few moments we're going to invite Fiona to join us in. Part of our baptismal covenant, we ask, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God and Christ? All of us here will join Fiona in that moment, reaffirming our commitment to that promise. Now, something that we're really good at, I think, is the second part of this, the proclamation by example. And that's so important. It's essential that we live according to our beliefs. But I think the first part is just as important, the proclamation by word. It's something we de-emphasize because it's something we're not comfortable with. We're not really comfortable talking about our faith. Maybe we have these weird visions in our head that we have to go on a street corner and start yelling at people, but that's not what proclaiming the good news means. 
proclamation by words. This means sharing our story. It means sharing what God has done for you, sharing what you've learned, sharing about our own transformations through the power of divine love, how we've experienced that love, so present, the comfort we've found, how our hope has been restored, when our strength and where our strength comes from. Just sharing our stories. That is proclamation by word. And that's what Jesus' complicated words this morning are trying to encourage us to do. We won't face martyrdom like the disciples in the first generations of Christians do. But we are still called to carry on their path, to proclaim boldly and loudly without fear. And friends, let us join them in this time. Let us proclaim the good news of God in Christ however and wherever we can, sharing the love of God, telling our stories, and remembering that God cares so much about each and every one of us that He knows every single hair on our head.